Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For catastrophically Injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans because all veterans who served honorably, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's Jake's Mint 
chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. The final show of Donald Trump's presidency. I'll talk about his legacy tonight. I'll talk about vetting National Guard troops for their political allegiance and this feeling of injustice. Where does it come from? We have a new example. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. President Trump's final day in office today. My final show of the Trump presidency. It's kind of weird, right? Anyway, he had thoughts, as you can imagine. I'm going to play you his thoughts, and then we're going to have a talk about Trump's legacy and what I think it'll be. Here's what he had to say. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege, and that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now, more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first, because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation, and that means the whole nation. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, 
because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. I fought for you. I fought for your family. I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for. And that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. There you have it from the big man himself. I'll tell you what I think about it, because I actually had somebody ask me last night, what's, what's Trump's legacy? What, do you, what, what are they going to remember him by? And there are some funny things about that. And we talk about legacies and histories and things, because sometimes we comfort ourselves in the moment. If, if something looks really bad, we'll, we'll say, well, history will be kind to him. Or people we don't like. We said this with Obama all the time. Man, history's not going to be nice to that guy. Let's talk about history, though, for a moment. Before we get back to Trump, let's talk about history. You see, I talk about history every single day on my radio show. I tell a history story before I get into politics and all that. 
And so I read a ton of history, watch a bunch of documentaries, listen to a bunch of podcasts, just get ready for every show. And something that always hits me, and it's been hitting me a lot more lately. Think about you. Think about me. Think about the news out there we watch. You sit down at night, you turn on one of the major news networks. You get online, you look at what social media will allow you to see and won't see. Think about how manipulated all that is. How twisted all of it is. Think about the outright lies you see. And that's for what's happening currently. That's when they know you have options to go seek out the truth somewhere. That's why you watch this show. Now think about history. Think about how slanted that might be. Think about all the historical good guys and bad guys that might be totally opposite. Something to dwell on. And it's something to dwell on when you think about Trump's legacy. How will Donald Trump be remembered? How, how will we remember Donald Trump? Well, I can't speak for you. You can only speak for me. For me, he was the greatest foreign policy president I've ever seen in my life. Definitely one of the greatest in American history. That's what I will take from it. That's what I will remember. I will remember somebody finally, finally standing up to our greatest enemy, China, taking it right to him. I'll remember somebody finally renegotiating trade deals that treated us like garbage and other people like gold. I'll remember a much more hands-off foreign policy didn't get us into any new wars, constantly trying to get the guys home and was hated for it. You know, that's something to dwell on right now briefly. You know that's why they hated him the most, right? It wasn't because he called people names. It wasn't his Twitter account. It wasn't his tax cuts. It wasn't even how he treated the media. It was Donald Trump's foreign policy that really got them. And you know why? Well, think about what's happening when you're renegotiating trade deals, when you're hammering China. Think about what's happening when you're talking about bringing the troops home. What's happening there? Well, the gravy train for a lot of very wealthy, very powerful people, it's slowing down like it's about to get to the station. And they don't want it to get to the station. They want that gravy train to keep on churning. There are a lot of people within our government and outside of our government, but wealthy, powerful people who are highly, highly invested in the pipeline between the U.S. and China remaining open, who are highly, highly invested in American troops being stationed overseas at all times until the end of time. There's so much money and power that comes from that. And Donald Trump, what he really was in the end, Donald Trump was a system disruptor. That's what he was. He disrupted the system. For better or for worse, I think it's for better because I think the system is rotted out and corrupt and disgusting. But that's what he did. And that's why they hated him so much. Make no mistake about it. They hated him because he was a system disruptor. And that's why they purged him. Collusion investigation, two impeachments, scandal after scandal after scandal. That's why the system purged him. And that's why the system is about to have a real, real nasty four years because the system not only purged Donald Trump, the system is now hell-bent on making sure there's never another one. I will remember Donald Trump for his foreign policy. And the other thing I'll remember, Donald Trump showed me how much trouble we're in. Not, not him personally, 
But their opposition to him, their opposition to a course correction, a suggested course correction, how they viciously opposed it, it woke me up to exactly what our federal government is made of. And it's not good. It is not good. That's Donald Trump's presidency. And you know what? I'm glad he was there. And thank you, Mr. President. I think you did awesome. Now, what can you do about it? I get these emails all the time now. Jesse, what can I do? What can I do? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Well, what we don't do is go home and suck our thumb and hide under the bed and give up. We don't do that. We can't do that. We don't have the option. We can't let these scumbags have it. We have to keep going, right? Well, how do we do that? Oh, you can go save money. I'm not making that up. You become a member of Mammoth Nation. What do you get for that? You get discounts at the stuff you love. Hotels, telehealth, wireless, you know, little things like that. And there's a lot more. You get discounts at that stuff. Where's your money go? You know, you paid to become a member. Where's that go? It goes to people running for office who believe what you and I believe. People who will defend the Second Amendment. People who believe in the greatness of America. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. Go to mammothnation.com slash jesse. That's mammothnation.com slash jesse. We'll be back. The feeling of injustice. I can't emphasize this enough. And this is especially for, you know what? This is especially for people who consider themselves to be on the right, who make America's news pundits on the right, politicians on the right. There is this way of thinking out there that the anger in the public is because of Donald Trump or an election. It's about so much more than Donald Trump, and it's about so much more than an election. And until you understand that, you will never understand what the base is really feeling, why they're feeling it. You'll never understand a path forward you won't. You simply will not. I saw something last night, and it blew me away. Before we get to that, what have you seen over the past week? Week, week and a half, whatever. How long it's been since that Capitol Hill raid? What have you seen? On the news, every single night, you turn on the news. You get on your phone. What are you seeing on there? You're seeing arrests. FBI wanted posters. Have you seen this man? He was in the Capitol. You're seeing this person arrested as he returned home. This person arrested at his job, and it's all on video, right? They've always got the cameras there. Oh, my gosh, they got him. They got him. That's the guy that was in Pelosi's office. They got their mug shots everywhere, clearly making a public scene about the crackdown on what happened at the Capitol, which is fine. Whatever. I don't care about that. Public. Publicly saying, never let this happen again. Now, I saw this video. This video we got from a friend of mine, journalist Andy No from Seattle. I want you to take a look at this. What are you seeing right here? I'll tell you what you're seeing. Those are Black Lives Matter protesters in Seattle committing a crime, stopping the highway, locking arms across the highway, and stopping traffic. Now, I want to ask you something. How many of those guys have you seen publicly arrested? I mean, we just had Bill Barr, right? I mean, I think so. I don't know. I never saw the guy, but we had Bill Barr. You remember when Antifa and Black Lives Matter were terrorizing American cities for months, looting, burning, murdering. How many? 
How many public arrests did you see? How many FBI wanted posters did you see? Find this Antifa guy. Find this Black Lives Matter guy. How many? How many? Zero. Oh, don't get me wrong. I know there were arrests here and there. Most of those people obviously get to skip out, but I know there were arrests here and there. How much public muscle flexing did you see? None. And that, that is why you got Donald Trump the first time, and that's why you're going to get Trump 2.0 the second time. Because there's a feeling out there that the system is unequal and unjust, and that there are haves and have-nots. If you're on the right, we're already seeing, have you seen this stuff? Have you seen the National Guard roll into D.C.? Have you seen this show of force we've seen? So over the top, it's ridiculous. And you know what they actually think about you? What they think about them? This is what the system is focused on. Here's Representative Stephen Cohen, Democrat. What is your level of concern of an insider threat? Well, it certainly raised this morning. I was reading about this on, the, on my Twitter account, I guess, and people were reminding the people of Anwar Sadat and Indira Gandhi who were killed by her own, their own people. Um, you know, I was thinking the guard is 90 some odd percent, I believe, male. Uh, only about 20 percent of white males voted for Biden. You got to figure that in the guard, which is predominantly more conservative, and I see that on my social media, and we know it. They're probably not more than 25 percent of the people that are there protecting us who voted for Biden. The other 75% are in the class that would be uh, the, the large class of folks who might want to uh, uh, do something. And there were military people and police who took oaths to defend the Constitution and to protect and defend who didn't do it, who were in the, the insurrection. So it does concern me. That's not, that's not some idiot college activist on the corner. That's a Democrat congressman. You know what's coming. You can feel it. The system thinks you're a terrorist threat. You can't be a male. You can't be white and be in the National Guard and be trusted to guard the president. This feeling of injustice you have that brought you Trump, that feeling is about to get a whole lot worse. All right. Speaking of injustice, you know how grossly unfair I think it is that these home title thieves get away with it? It, it, I hate thieves, and I understand I don't have any morals, I don't claim to, but I hate these, I always have. These people, they hack into your home title, they forge your signature on it, and they go take a loan out against it, and these guys get away with it all the time, because they're long gone by the time you know. They've, they've disappeared into cyberspace, they're gone. Meanwhile, you, you're on the hook to pay back a loan you didn't take out. I don't know about you, I, I can't I can't add loans to the old book at this point in time. Don't let it happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and stop these guys before they can get you. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. That gets you 30 free days of protection. We'll be back. Well, never underestimate the system's ability to promote its failures. I, I, people talk about this all the time now, and it's amazing when you look at it. The people who screw up and screw up and screw up, they're the ones who get elevated. Andrew Cuomo slaughters seniors by the thousands with his idiotic COVID policies. He puts out a book. 
Ron DeSantis is down there churning out vaccines like lottery tickets, and they act like the guy is the Antichrist. So now we have, well, a new failure. And we're going to talk about this person with Nan Hayworth of the Independent Women's Forum, former congresswoman, doctor. Nan, this Rachel Levine of Pennsylvania, this person... This person is in the middle of a scandal, or at least should be. They, they put a bunch of old seniors together with COVID patients right after they pulled their 95-year-old mother out of the area. I, that is that is a weapons-grade scandal. That's like insider trading with people's lives. And now, well, welcome to Joe Biden's administration. Yeah, uh, you know, if here's the thing, Jesse. If you wanted to put the results-oriented, results-achieving talent uh, in positions of primacy, which uh, really objectively we all should want, uh, you'd look to the state of Florida, let's say, which probably has the most conspicuously successful record of dealing with COVID in all its manifestations, including protecting their seniors, including uh, administration of vaccines. Uh, You know, Florida has been a beacon and Florida is our third most populous state, um, has more seniors, greater concentration of seniors than either Pennsylvania or New York. Uh, I just read a piece that said uh, of the COVID-related deaths in Pennsylvania, uh, half of them actually have been among uh, their nursing home population. Uh, In New York, it's a third. Uh, Now, that may simply be that Pennsylvania has, uh, you know, significantly fewer uh, non-nursing home residents who are succumbing to the disease, but it certainly doesn't bespeak, uh, you know, a stellar record in uh, in their uh, in their most vulnerable population, and uh, unfortunately, Dr. Levine's own mother, age 95, uh, requested, per the story, uh, to uh, move into a hotel uh, from her uh, assisted living facility, and that. Uh, was considered special treatment. Uh, Arguably, it was a relatively special situation, and uh, that met with a lot of friction uh, last spring. So, you know, but it's it's not necessarily bringing our best to uh, uh, to the HHS where we really need them to be. Well, we don't even we don't even care about the best anymore. And I said something or I read something earlier, so I'm going to misphrase this. But I did read Joe Biden's entire administration. He's going to make sure he focuses on gender and color and and sexual orientation over things like the GDP and deficits. And and look, I understand. Look, guys like me and, and women like you, you look at that and you feel like I'm on another planet. Right. But that's how these people think. And this is this is what we have now. Well, and you know, Jesse, I'm a libertarian, always have been. Uh, you know, that's, that's the beauty of our country. It was really uh, founded to respect our citizens, respect their autonomy, respect their individuality, and not impose excessively on them uh, negative rights, not positive rights that uh, require uh, putting other citizens in obligation to us. Uh, the, the diversity is wonderful. It is, in fact, a great strength, but it cannot be the goal, nor can an assortment of identities be the goal in and of itself. And that's what this all threatens to become. Uh, and I agree with you, Jesse. We need a results orientation. Uh, if fortunately, and thank the good Lord, over 
the generations, accessibility to opportunity has extended now, uh, we, we hope and pray to all demographics, all identity groups within our society, that is as it should be, have access to opportunity. Now we need to hold people accountable for what they do in those positions of leadership, of executive responsibility. Uh, and the record in blue states uh, is not encouraging. Blue states have done a conspicuously poor job in every, uh, along every metric you can think of. So, you know, they tend to be the ones most focused on the identity politics of the left. They're also the ones who do uh, the worst on results. I, I think there is, uh, you know, you can't deny that there's probably a causal relationship there somewhere along the line. Nan, who's Anthony Blinken? I don't even want to ask, but I, I, want, I want you to give people a little primer on our upcoming Secretary of State, which is a fairly important position. I don't know if people, people have heard within the government. Who is this joker? Yeah, well, he was uh, the undersecretary uh, in the Obama administration who was uh, among the uh, architects of our uh, supinely accommodative role uh, to Iran. To the Iranian theocracy. He was among those who acknowledged that when the Obama administration sent pallets of cash, you know, in addition to signing off on the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which was uh, repudiated rightly by the Trump administration, by Mike Pompeo, who has been an outstanding Secretary of State, uh, but in Blinken and company, uh, signed off on that and on the pallets of cash, knowing and acknowledging, actually overtly acknowledging, he and John Kerry acknowledged that uh, some of those funds, at the very least, would go to funding uh, proxies in terrorism like Hamas. Uh, they acknowledged that. And yet, because of the uh, monolith that is uh, the media, academia, intelligentsia, you know, popular culture, uh, left, uh, that was uh, that was that did not meet with the buzzsaw of uh, opprobrium uh, that you would think it should have. And now he's going to, uh, you know, rise to uh, you know he's uh, rising to his uh, uh, level of failure. He's going to be Secretary of State. Yeah, of course. The, one of the worst foreign policy decisions, almost universally acknowledged in, in the last decade in the United States of America, which is saying something because we screw that up as a matter of routine. And of course, now he gets to be Secretary of State. These people, I'll tell you. All right, Nan, because you're a libertarian, you and I are about to have a discussion. You're welcome to scream at me. You always are. Because I am a very, very, very tiny government type. I, I'm a very libertarian type. However, I have this view, and I believe it all the way, that while I want our government to end up as some libertarian tiny government paradise, that libertarianism cannot defeat communism. Uh, it's the opposite of communism, but it cannot defeat it, that you can't small government your way out of this. That's a, a federal judge for them blocking oil uh, from being drilled on this land, and a federal judge on our side saying, well, it's just not my role. Well, we lose then in the end. Right. Reconcile no. that for me. Am I wrong? Yeah. Am I right? No, no, you're, you're right. And we are uh, a representative democracy. We are a constitutional republic. Our constitution uh, was designed to maximize the power of the individual citizen 
but not to have anarchy. Uh, we all agree to surrender some of our liberties to the state in exchange for their being able to exert deadly force on us in order to uh, ensure uh, that the, the laws under which we agree to live and conduct ourselves as a society uh, are enforced. Uh, and that includes, crucially, uh, yes, making sure that uh, we have the uh, means and the ability and the resolve uh, to uh, carry out policy uh, with, uh, you know, with other nations around the world, close neighbors and those far away, those that can pr project power. Uh, you know, and, and that's, I am perfectly willing to uh, uh, have a government that uh, accomplishes those goals. And here's what I ask. All I ask is that they be transparent to the fullest possible extent, that they be accountable for their actions, and that they seek always in everything they do to impose minimally on all of us as citizens. Right now we have a federal government that has far exceeded its role and most of what it does, most of the federal budget every year is for pensions and benefits for social welfare systems, the entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. That's two thirds of the federal budget each and every year. Jesse, that is not what the federal government is supposed to be doing. And in fact, because it focuses on those things, which it should never have had to, it's just it's not good at those things, actually, uh, it loses efficacy uh, in the areas in which it should be uh, laser-focused because the challenges that face us with adversaries like China uh, just uh, eating our lunch for us, and under the Biden administration, they're going to be right in, you know, Joe Biden's going to be right in their pockets based on all the evidence we've seen so far. Uh, you know, it, we, we need to have uh, a much different mindset uh, at, at the federal level, but citizens have to be aware of it. Nan Hayworth, always the best. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jesse. Always my privilege. We're not done yet. Hang on. Well, one of the things that's been almost impossible to unpack, like everything anymore, is the truth. The truth about what actually happened at the Capitol. The truth about what threats there are out there. What threats there aren't out there. Because everything is mass hysteria now for political purposes. So trying to unpack all that, we have a man who can help us out. Jim Antle, he's the politics editor with the Washington Examiner and also the author of Devouring Freedom. Jim, I hear we need... 30,000 National Guard troops and razor wire and 30-foot walls and the National Guard's planning on assassinating Joe Biden so they've confiscated ammunition. And this seems a little bit over the top for me, but please, are these things real? Well, there's certainly a lot of rumors circulating out there, some of which seem to be a little over the top. And obviously there's going to be a lot of precautions taken after what happened at the Capitol. And this event was already gonna be substantially virtual because of COVID. And now the, the capital breach has set up a situation where even the limited events that were gonna be live are going to happen under a, a, a degree of security we really haven't seen in this city. And this is a city where we do tend to see a lot of security. I mean, it's the seat of the federal government. And so the rumors about the National Guardsmen seem to me to be fairly over the top. Uh, they are really looking, though, for people who they think might have extremist views. 
what their criteria are for extremist views remains unclear. There were a dozen uh, National Guardsmen that they've removed uh, from security just today, uh, but they don't, they aren't saying that there was any plot or anything like that, just that they were uncomfortable with some of their associations and views and they removed them, though they haven't elaborated exactly on what that means. And, and isn't the devil in the details, Jim? I mean, I personally would like to know. I, as much as I dislike Joe Biden, I certainly don't want to see anything happen to Joe Biden or anyone else on the left I, I, or on the right. What does extremist views count at? I think we should find that out, right? <laughs> well, I want to know what Joe Biden's people consider to be extremists. Is a, is a bad tweet extremist? That it's much different than sitting in your basement plotting something terrible. The devil is very much in the details. So if we're talking about people who are in the Ku Klux Klan or people who are in militias or people who are in groups uh, that have plotted violent attacks against people, then clearly uh, those are not anyone you want to be in close proximity to Joe Biden or anybody else in government or, or of any significance. If it's you're an extremist, if you voted in a Republican primary, uh, if you listen to conservative talk radio, uh, if you just have wrong but but relatively common political views, uh, that's a much bigger deal. And I think we do need to know that. And they haven't really shared those details. Hopefully they will soon. Jim, you wrote the book, Devouring Freedom, Can Big Government Be Stopped? Right. Can it be stopped? I, 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 I don't want to be the king pessimist around here. I don't see any evidence that it's even slowing down. Can it be stopped? You know, if I wrote that book today, it might only be one page long. But <laughs> at the time when I wrote it, I had a lot of faith that if you got the right Republicans in there and they were willing to take action quickly... And they were willing to maybe lose an election afterwards that it could be stopped. But those are three really big ifs. And Republicans haven't really shown in large enough numbers that they have the fortitude to do any of those things. No, they don't. They, that's, the, that's part of my problem. And, and, and look, I was actually a Trump fan for most of it. I liked most of what Trump did. But even Trump, with these gigantic swampy spending bills, signing every single one of them, I, I just there was never, there was never any, a, a serious attempt to slow things down at all. He spent more money than Obama did. And now Biden will double what he did. It's, it's unreal to me. And they'll use the fact that Trump spent so much and that congressional Republicans spent so much as an excuse to say it's Ill, invalid and illegitimate to cast any doubt on Biden's spending, even if it ends up being of orders of magnitude greater. So every Republican spending binge, and the same thing happened under George W. Bush, uh, is used to justify future Democratic spending. And we get to the point where even in peacetime, even before we had COVID, even back when the economy was growing and unemployment was low, you're running trillion dollar annual budget deficits. And that's just crazy. Okay, Joe Biden, we were hearing, I mean, obviously if you're on the right at all, it sounds like doomsday's coming about Joe Biden's plans. We've already got amnesty plans, climate change plans. He's canceling the Keystone pipeline. It sounds like insanity. Uh, is this real? What are we supposed to expect? You know, let's brace for impact for the first week or two of Joe Biden's presidency. The one thing that I think conservatives have going for us is that even with both of the Georgia Senate seats going to the Democrats, the Democrats do not have very big majorities in either House of Congress. And when you look at what Obama managed to do 
It, one, it wasn't very much, although it was pretty big, but he was only able to get really Obamacare passed, which is huge, but he had three-fifths majorities in both houses. He had a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate for most of that time uh, until Scott Brown was elected. Bill Clinton had a similar situation where you know he had really big majorities in both houses, barely got his tax increase through, didn't get his wife's health care plan through at all. Uh, so it's going to be difficult, but certainly the plans that they have are further to the left than anything Obama or Clinton wanted to do or thought was politically possible. And so they're going to try. Uh, I don't know that they have the votes to eliminate the filibuster, which would really make a difference in terms of what they'll be able to do. Uh, but what they would like to do if they could get away with it would really be astronomical. Okay, look, tell me this. Explain this to me. You're, you're a politics editor for a great publication. Why is it that they can't get these huge bills through because their policies suck and everyone knows they suck and the American people hate them, but they still win elections. I mean, Obama was president twice. Joe Biden just bounced Donald Trump, which even if you hate his Twitter account, on, on, on paper, the dude was an outstanding president. How, how do the American people not care about policies? There's a, a lack of attention to policy detail. And I think that we've seen these massive shifts back and forth between both parties, because essentially if you get mad at one party, your only option to fire them is to put in the other party. So they keep electing and unelecting Republicans, keep electing and unelecting Democrats. And you know there just aren't any options. I think a lot of people, at least a lot of voters feel that way. All right, Jim. This amnesty thing, I I was initially initially I blew a gasket because I thought, well, shoot, now, now we're never going to win one again. But hearing you talk, maybe I have a little faith. I don't know that this gets through. I don't know that an amnesty push gets through. Do you see there being enough Republican support for that to get pushed into law? That was certainly true under Bush and part of Obama, where they were pretty close in the Senate. In the House, among House Republicans, it's a very different story. And the, even though the majority can do really whatever it wants in the House, the Democrats have a pretty small majority in the House as well. You would think that the example of Trump and the fact that Trump did as well, even in, in defeat with Hispanic voters as he did, without pushing amnesty and in fact taking a very different immigration policy, did better uh, than John McCain, who is sort of synonymous uh, with amnesty and, and a, a more open immigration policy, that that would make a lot of Republicans think twice about whether they really need to pass amnesty. But, you know, the Senate Republicans can be a, a wobbly sort of group. You do have guys like Tom Cotton, though, who I think are going to really lead the charge to try to defeat this. And I do think some Republicans are worried uh, that if it does pass, good luck winning another presidential election. Why are Senate Republicans so wobbly, as you kindly put it? I don't put it quite that way, but your way is probably a bit nicer than mine. Why are they so wobbly? Uh, you know, business group support, Chamber of Commerce support. A lot of people in, in, in that wing of the party like cheap labor. Uh, a lot of Republicans don't like to be called bad names by newspaper editorial boards. Uh, the, the R word, it doesn't just stand for Republican, also for racist. And you don't want to cast any votes that gets people who don't like you anyway uh, to call you bad names. Uh, so that, that does really contribute to a timidity that Democrats, for the most part, don't really have. Jim Mantle, thank you so much for man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse.
See, you don't want to be like me. That's the last thing in the world you want. But there are benefits to being, being an unfeeling sociopath. But I don't care what people call me, because I don't have any feelings at all. All right, we're not quite done. Hang on. We normally make the end of the show something funny, something fluffy, something, you know, to tug at the heartstrings. There's a lot of heavy news out there right now, but I saw this little clip from CBS News, and I should probably do a whole show on it. And I realize it's a light, funny man on the street thing, and I want to point out, because I don't like to blast away at the average Joe, I'm not specifically making fun at any one of the people in this video, but watch this, and we have to talk about it. So we borrowed some basic questions from that very exam. We've got some trivia questions. Can we ask you a few? To get a sense of just how deep a crisis we're in. How many people are in the House of Representatives? I don't know. 12? 14? The House? Uh, no, oh, not the, the House. whole country? Uh, 80. We assumed Americans by birth might do at least as well as Americans by choice. But can you name the three branches of government? Judicial? Yeah, that's one. Oh, my husband's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, the vast majority of people were stumped. Who is the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court? Don't we have nine of them? We have nine of them, and there's a chief. I don't know. Isn't that why we're here? You ever read about the fall of Rome? I know it's, it's probably a cliche at this point in time. This is why Rome fell, the fall of Rome, fall of... But really what it comes down to is in the end, Rome was rich, fat, bored, and completely unmoored by what founded it, by what helped it achieve greatness. That relentless ambition, hard work, man is supposed to be virtuous, all these things, that, that real pride and what it was to be a Roman. That's really what it comes down to. Honestly, it's, it's as simple as patriotism, pride, and being an American. And that comes with knowledge of what it means to be an American and the responsibility you have to pass that on to the next generation. And they have to pass it on to the next generation. And how can we do that if we don't even know? And we don't even know. Generations, generations, plural of people educated in America's government education system grow up not knowing anything about the place they live in. Americans, especially the people on the left, they luxuriate in a, in a standard of living that, I mean, nobody's ever seen before. And they hate it here. And that's how we got here. All right. You'll enjoy our coverage of the inauguration tomorrow. I'll see you then. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry 
with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.